Hello, everyone. This is Stephanie Golston Paul. I am your host of the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. Take Nothing When I Die amplifies and celebrates the wisdom and genius of people who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime. Welcome to the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. I am your host. Stephanie Ghost and Paul here, and you have made it to episode 18. We have Nikki's wisdom blessing us today, and I cannot wait for you to get into it. Before we dive all the way in, I am curious about something. I want to know how you listen to these episodes. Some folks take notes. Maybe you listen while you're cleaning or doing some laundry. Some folks really pause to kind of let everything soak in, digest it, metabolize it. I just want to know, how do you listen to the episodes when you're listening? If you want to share that information with me, please find me on social media. We are housed on Instagram at take nothing when I die, all spelled out. And if you are on Twitter, we're at T-N-W-I-D. Looking forward to hearing how you listen to these episodes. And it's perfect because Nikki actually has a few exercises for us to do as she shares her knowledge. So it'll be really cool to see how you incorporate that into the way that you already listen. Now, we got to get into the episode, which I'm really excited to share. Something I really admire about Nikki is her tremendous generosity. And I'm not really talking about that disgusting, exploitative way, you know, like, oh, I like what she can give, right? She gives, gives, gives. Or sometimes this compliment around generosity can be like a manipulative, abusive, backhanded compliment. But for her, she just reminds me of how people genuinely give out of the goodness of their heart, not expecting anything in return and also not to cover up or avoid something else, right? I've had workplaces, relationships, friendships where the giving was really a ploy for something else because then I'll owe them or because they didn't wanna deal with their own stuff or it was used as manipulation. I did this thing for you. Now, what are you gonna do for me? I do not ever feel that way with Nikki. And I think you actually hear that come through loud and clear through her interview here today. So just a little bit of background on Nikki. She is a retired Air Force veteran who was diagnosed with relapse remitting MS in 2011. After being diagnosed with MS, she sought out a path to truly figuring out the meaning of life. Through her journey, she's been able to educate others on what it really means to take charge of your own life through spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. Nikki is currently studying complementary and alternative health at Ashford University and homeopathy at Academy of Homeopathy Education, NYC. Upon completion, she'll be attending Southwest Medical College in Phoenix, Arizona to become a naturopathic doctor. It was out of Nikki's love for nature and self-healing that Urban Essentials came to fruition, which is her amazing company. As an herbalist, she believes that herbs and roots carry messages that we need to become in tune with. And that is why she infuses her products with them. Her mantra is be you, be free, be inspired. 
Brilliant humans, I give you Miss Nikki G. All right. So we have Nicole in the house. Hey. Welcome to the Take That The When I Die show. We're so excited to have you. I ask everybody the same two questions when we get started. Where are you in the world? And tell us how you're doing. The for real, for real version, not the fake, fake version. Like the for real, for real. Well, had we went over that question when we were supposed to meet the first time, I would have been jumping off a hot air balloon onto a fighter jet because it was crazy <laughs> right now i am i'm in a hot air balloon and a pretty one though like one that has probably a bench on it so i can sit back and chill and like a mini fridge with a bar mm, food drink yes crucial yes and and there's a a guy in a nice little butler outfit that goes down and gets whatever else i need like mm, I like Anna's nice touch. Yeah, nice so <laughs> that's where I'm at. Things calm down a lot, thank God. Right now, I'm just starting to put my foot back into my business and put my head to some paper with a pen <laughs> and get everything going again. I had stopped, as you know, because of my multiple sclerosis flare up and then trying to figure out what's going on with my son as far as his autism diagnosis and yeah so that's where I'm at right now we're in a hot air balloon hot air balloon and you kind of answered it you you let us know how you doing basically right yeah yeah I got I got my imaginary butler going to get my organic banana I like it is this butler for hire or is he just like does he only work certain hours freelance and freelance okay so, I do 1099s for sure. Right. I'll give you his number. Okay, cool. <laughs> so let's jump right into it. As you know, when you've been to so many events, you've done showcases, you've been a part of events, and at these places, they always ask you, what do you do? Now, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you dislike this question? 10 is like, you're ready to punch somebody the next time they ask you one is like I love being like I feel like I'm on stage and I'm able to say all the things about me one to ten uh I say a three a three okay tell us why because it keeps me on my toes it is kind of like what do you do it's like I do everything but the real world response to that or the entrepreneur response you have to lay out what you do and if you present it well, it makes sense to people. You know, some people, and I feel like maybe a decade ago, if we were to say like, oh, I, I was in the military, I, I got out, I work for a list fashion agency. You know, I went to makeup school, I went to hair school, I went to nail school, I worked on set. They're like, well, how are you doing all of that? Mm-hmm. You need to pick one thing. And it's like, no. I don't, (laughs) you know, one thing didn't suit my life. And I think now when I tell people they track, it's like, oh, you did this. It's all the same thing. Like, wow, it's the beauty industry. Hmm. 
you know, even with that going into the natural product line and stuff like, like that's still beauty. And there are aspects of it, like going to school for fashion, there's aspects of that that have really helped me be my own incubator for my business. Very cool. Your own incubator. I love that. That is so cool. (laughs) So being in the beauty industry overall, did you want to be that when you were growing up? Yes. So you already knew. So you knew as a younger kid, you knew you wanted to be in the beauty industry when you grow up. And now as an adult, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. Maybe a sky god. Somebody sits on a cloud. I'm like, no, don't do that. Do this. Oh, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Oh, because I made you. You thought of it. So I kind of thought of it. Like, <laughs> but I've not heard that response yet. Yay. <laughs> Originality. Um, but you know what? Growing up, I remember the third grade science teacher. Don't remember her name. I remember she was white lady. She was fairly young. She had dark hair, thick black glasses, and she always wore a, a skirt that came probably like three or four inches past her knees. She was amazing. And she was always excited. And, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, around all these black kids, and she was just always excited and really told us, and I believe she meant it, that you can be whatever you want to be. And I wanted to be an astronaut because of her. I, I love space and the idea of it made sense. English class, social studies or whatever. I'm just like, meh. Science. I'm like, I get to build a planet and I want to be Saturn and I need my rings. <laughs> like it was amazing, but that idea wasn't nurtured. Hmm. Black kid, Marcy Projects, you know, everybody's dad wasn't around. Mine's wasn't around. He was in the army. You know, my mom was a young mom. So it was kind of like certain things didn't get nurtured. Hmm. Yeah. So the next best thing was just hair. I had an aunt and she did Maxine Shaw. She did her braids. I remember going to the shop and I remember she burned my hair off with the Marcel's long hair. And she was talking and yeah, girl, didn't hit the Marcel with the, the washcloth. When my hair fell, I was like, I want to do hair. She could do it. I could do it. <laughs> yes. You, I, I feel like it is almost a rite of passage for Black young girls to get burnt, burnt on your neck, burn some hair off, whether it's through the hot comb or I got mine through, curl, uh, through a curling iron, actually. Mm-hmm. My mom used to use the Dax wax. Yes. The green kind. Because I think uh, we had red and green. I was like, oh yeah, and now and now these brands are coming back. They've got new packaging, mm. BBs, like all these, you know, all the all the brands. It's so very interesting. But I feel like black women everywhere have commiserated over being burnt <sighs> as a younger child and being told you're not burned. No, yeah. <laughs> hold your hand still. Right. So we know there's been a common thread of beauty, right? No matter what you were up to. How did you pick some of the areas that you were interested in and how did you then start to package those together? Because we can talk about all the things you're up to now and how it's led you to this point. So how have you kind of put all of that together to to be a beauty, maybe I will call you like a beauty mogul, beauty mogul. Tell us about that process to becoming a beauty mogul. 
I need some uh, sponsors and uh, <laughs> that's a big word, but I, hey, I graciously accept it. I appreciate that. And hopefully that will manifest. How did I do that? That's a great question. So pretty much being real and raw, I need money. Yeah. <laughs> I needed money and I like to see the beauty in things you know people saying being a critic is bad and it's like no sometimes being a critic is really wanting to pull out the the beauty in what makes people smile nice things do make people smile no matter how small or big it may be and that's how I, I put it together you know working as an intern at Cloutier Remix and seeing the different brands that were being funneled into the agency for, you know, artists to try and, and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, this is amazing hearing Paul Mitchell's story, uh, how Paul Mitchell and his partner, they started out with only a hundred dollars maybe. And remember back in the day, Paul Mitchell used to just be straight black and white, mm-hmm. black and white bottles. They started off with that and they started small and plain and simple and to the point and now they have this whole empire i i took everything that i learned i mean even from um going to makeup designery in burbank and being blessed with amazing women teachers that push that go to the museum you know take a walk take a walk around the city what do you see what do you want to pull out you know create your own canvas that definitely stayed with me. And I think that's how I was able to bring everything together. You know, I had a teacher in fashion school. I had a, a great teachers, but one in particular, she always pushed me in such a way, you know, I was like, oh, I want to have my own store. She said, great. What are you going to put in? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you going to put in it? I was like, oh, I'm thinking I want to have a resort wear line. I want to do resort wear. She said, great, we're in D.C. No. (laughs) And I was like, no. She was like, no. Push past what you want. And I was like, wow. Push past what I want. She said, because there's more on the other side. It's not that one thing. Very good. So when you think about putting everything together, and knowing that everything has been building off of each other. Can you give us a specific example of how you used skills or problem solving from one role or industry and then uniquely problem solve in another? Like you were not doing the same thing, but you might've been using the same skill or it was easy for you to solve some problem based on what you had done before. Some people think it's the military. I'm like, oh, you went to the military. You did this. I'm like, one, I went to the Air Force. There are people in the Air Force that work hard. And there are people in the Air Force that work hard, trying not to work hard. I feel like a lot of it is home training. I'm 36. I was raised around my grandmother. And, you know, back in the 80s, you were still adhering to strict guidelines you know, on how to do things, you know, it's 12 o'clock. Why are you still in pajamas? See something on the ground. Don't walk over it, pick it up. You know, little things like that help build upon everything in life. My grandmother, she saw the beauty in everything. And she was a plant lady, like always had to have plants around. And that is why I have green in my business. And also too, like 
with going to school for, for fashion and learning, you know, marketing and management, what does green make people feel? You know, people are like, oh, green, organic, you know, herbs, earthy, you know, all those different things. And green is non-threatening. Green is go. You know, the Air Force gave me opportunity to refine my skills when I had because I couldn't be like looking, you know, giving everybody the gas face. I had to suck it in and learn how to be like the penguins in Madagascar. They always like smile and wave, boys, smile and wave, but they have a plan. Like, I'm going to look at you and smile, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, um, I learned tough lessons. I learned about racism in the military and that helped me in business because that helped me learn how to identify and deal with people that have these thoughts about me and what I do and being able to prove them wrong. You know, I've had people come up to my booth and at the farmer's market and be like, oh, so what do you have here? And I smile and wave, like, hi, my name is Nikki. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, so you own this? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. Actually, can I have your business card? Oh, you don't have one. Oh, my bad. Okay, cool. Okay, that's fine. Would you like to know about anything in particular? Yeah. So I think everything has, has helped me with Working as an intern at Cloutier Remix, I was around some amazing, amazing, amazing women, even the owner of the agency and her assistant. Her assistant got me in there and uh, the owner was amazing and they showed me how to be a girl boss and how to set standards and how to have a good time you know, all in, in, in one office and how to get the job done and, you know, filing the different receipt or payment for the, the artists that work there. They worked with A-list celebrities. There's more than what people will just give you run of the mill. You know, if this person is just going to give you, you know, $5, you're worth more than that. Where do you base your work? You know, are you selling yourself short? And I feel like in our community, a lot of times we sell ourselves short because we don't think highly of ourselves in such a manner that breaks through ceilings. I think I answered that. Yeah, you did. And you (laughs) took us to the next one. So my question was going to be, have you had a favorite role? It sounds like being an intern might have been your favorite, but is there some another role or one industry that you particularly loved or was there something that surprised you by transitioning industry? Some people don't have a favorite. That's okay. I'm not going to make you choose if you don't want to choose. Oh, but uh, tell us, tell us about it. I like learning. I'm a nerd. I'm a total nerd. I know a lot of G whiz information. It's like, well, how do you know that? It's like, I don't know. Maybe it was born with it. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's not. But I loved LA. I really did love LA. I mean, I love my life now. I feel like now I'm I'm more grounded. LA, I was the hot air balloon. <laughs> um, but I like learning. I think any environment where actively learning is the bee's knees for me. Um, right now I'm in school for homeopathy. It's a four-year program and I'm just like 
blown away at this concept of medicine that works, that the FDA is actually trying to shut down again, you know, in college for complementary and alternative health. And it's learning, you know, and it's actually kind of coincides with what I do right now as far as the product line. It's a good mix between that and the metaphysical part, my work that I do. So I think anything where I'm just learning and now that I'm older, I feel like if it's a bit of a challenge, I am here for it. I am. I say that grudgingly, but I, I, I am here. You know, if it makes me feel like I'm human when I'm lear- learning, like, okay, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I think that is imperative right now to be around people that know more than me that can help me carve my path in in the mountain and being able to transition from role to role going to school launching the line doing all the things what do you think it is about you that allows you to do all this because this show again is about people who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime and I think some of our listeners are like wannabe dabblers, like they, they're dabblers inside, but they're, they're like, well, that's good for you, but like not really good for me. So what would you say to that person? What is it, what is it about you? What is, what is it that you've cultivated? Is it a particular skill? What has allowed you to execute on all of these things throughout your, throughout your life? Hidden intuition, maybe like, I am, we are so blessed to to be here and especially, you know, as Black people and especially as descendants of enslaved Africans here. I feel like I've always been divinely guided. And if you you asked me that, you know, five years ago, three years ago, I would have been like, ah, something else. But in this moment, I really feel like it is. I've always wanted more and better. I'm just like, and I had a great life. I wasn't raised, I mean, lived in a hood, but we weren't poor. It was just a product of what happened back then, you know, without getting into it. We all know how hoods came to be, but I really feel like it was divine guidance when I wanted to get out the military I remember screaming at God and I was like I'm, 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 I hate it here come get me out boom I have multiple sclerosis I'm saying bye it wasn't you know the Kenya Moore exit <laughs> I wasn't twirling <laughs> out the military you know that rough patch but I got out the military through my sickness and disease and even thinking I was going to die, I was looking up positions and I found Cloutier Remix and I was like, oh, I want to work there, you know. Fast forward, six months later, maybe I'm in makeup school. I hook up with this beautiful woman. Her name was Michelle Lee. And I'm telling her, you know, my dreams and what I want to do. And she gets me in over at Cloutier Remix. No interview. You know, I say, hey, I want to be here. I want to do this. And I'm just saying it to myself and actively looking. And then it happens. You know, when I was in the military before all of this, I remember praying, like, where am I going? You know, because you don't know what assignment you're going to get. I heard, juh, juh, juh. And I thought I was going to Japan. When I graduated from air traffic control school, they were like, you're going to Spangdalem. And I'm like, that's not what I heard. And it was like Air Base Germany. I was like, oh, G does give a just. <laughs> I should have paid attention in school. Like, I, I really feel like it's, it is. It's divine intervention. You know, I went from wanting to get more into 
herbs and all this and that to actually doing it. And then after my grandma passed, getting into the metaphysical side, tapping back into that part of myself. I'm like, oh, wow, I am pretty cool. I'm not weird for no reason. There's a reason behind all this weirdness. Like (laughs) I'm able to assist other people and coach people through Mm -hmm. situations. Love, love, love. And, and as always, you, you're taking us to the next question. So our last question, well, maybe I've, I've been known to ask other questions. I'm okay with that. But uh, take nothing when I die. The mission behind it is that it's a reminder that you are a living ancestor. And part of the story behind take nothing when I die was me finding this Les Brown quote. Mm-hmm. So I'll read a little bit of it. He says that the graveyard is the richest place on the earth because Mm -hmm. it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books never written, songs never sung, inventions never shared, cures never discovered, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in the spirit of not leaving anything when you not leave, you can't take nothing with you when you die. What's the most expensive piece of wisdom or advice that you don't want to take with you to the grave? And it can be expensive in terms of what you pay for it or the lesson that you had to learn. You know, some lessons are very expensive, but they don't even cost money. Expensive in whatever way makes sense to you. What is one piece of advice or wisdom that you don't want to take with you to the grave? Wow, I'm about to cry. <laughs> this is this is really deep. And for everybody listening, I would like for you all to just take a deep breath right now and just bring yourself back to awareness because although this question is for me, I feel like people are asking themselves the same thing. I say, do it all, do it all. You know, you used to hear old people say, live your life. And we're just like, yeah, just live your life. And you know, (laughs) making it something else. But when when you get older and you start to see life or what it really is in the ups and downs do it all do what you feel like you need to do in your heart of hearts in your soul people are just barely making it no matter how much their house costs no matter how much their car costs people are 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 barely making it and if we chase all these things that we think other people want or expect of us you're not going to be happy you're not going to be truly happy. You may be comfortable because this one thing you chased, you know, it bought you so much money, but did you have time to spend that money? What did you spend that money on? Were you able to create memories with that money or were you going out trying to get more money? Hmm. For me, I want more. I, I, I want it all, you know, and when my time is up, I want to look back and be like, okay, I'm good. I did what I needed to do for myself. My family is good. You know, I fought hard for generational wealth. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Very, very, I know it's very expensive. So I'm honored that you've been so generous. And before we let folks know where they can find you, anything else you want to share with us? Wish for everybody to take a moment go to a corner, a closet, a tree, and breathe. Like really inhale, exhale. Breathing moves lymph fluid. It calms you down. It brings you back to awareness. Show up for yourself. 
you know, wake up early and meditate and just sit with yourself, you know, whether you, you're going to pray, you're just reviewing your thoughts and know that you're not alone. You know, so many, I feel like so many people feel like they're alone or parading around a bunch of other people and still feeling alone. Like you can do it, you know, one day at a time, write things down, take a bath, take a bath. If you don't like, feel like, oh, it's dirt, take a shower and then take a bath. Like (laughs) go on, you know, Groupon and, and, and get yourself, you know, a massage. The value that you want other people to seek in you, you have to seek it in yourself. And that's the lesson that I learned in 2019 with getting sick. Like, seriously, take nothing with you when you die. I made no time for me or, you know, the diagnosis of my disease. And it's just like, we really have to bring awareness back to ourselves if we're going to somewhat survive this unsurvivable life. Mm, Well said. Well, let us know where we can find you. Where do you play on the interwebs? What do you got going on this year that folks can check out? How can they follow you? Say hi, buy your things. Tell us all the things. Well, I will be opening the shop back up within the next two, two and a half months. My website is www.urban, U-R-B-A-N hyphen essentials, E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S dot us on social media we are urban essentials it's urban underscore essentials dot us i do answer dms as long as they're not creepy that <laughs> you heard it here i'm correct <laughs> not creepy <laughs> not creepy i will be doing more yoga classes more readings more classes on dousing the feet your energetic body more meditation classes so i think the, the business is definitely going um in the direction of more spirituality yeah and check out my google reviews google urban essentials atlanta and check out the five-star reviews i will make sure all this makes it onto the show notes make sure you go check out urban essentials slide in the dms respectfully please she does have an application for the butler position (laughs) so that'll be on there as well but again thank you so much thank you for being so generous with your time and your wisdom and your love And we can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. Take care. Oh my goodness. What a gift that was for us. I really struggled to kind of pare it down. Like, what do I want to share with folks? What is the takeaway here? There's so many, but I think the one that is sticking to me here now is just when Nikki talked about what it means to her to be a critic. And I think when we think historically with context and maybe from our own experiences, being critical or being a critic has a a harsh or negative connotation. But for Nikki, her take nothing when I die takeaway is really when she talked about Sometimes being a critic is really wanting to pull out the beauty and what makes people smile. 
And just that statement, which is simple yet profound, it's so matter of fact, and it comes from such a deep, wise place. It just encapsulates everything that I already shared and that I'm sure you heard throughout the interview. So thank you, Nikki, for that word. We are getting to that part where it's time to close out. Don't forget to let us know how you like to listen. So again, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram. And if you're ready to try a new medium to share that information, maybe you wanna check us out on Patreon. We are building community there as well. And it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-N-W-I-D, patreon.com slash T-N-W-I-D. You can join the living ancestors over there. We also are on all major platforms, as you know, including the one you're listening on. And if you are open, willing, want to, you can also make a one-time donation to support producing this podcast, as well as my coaching and consulting work through PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. You'll find the links to those on the show notes main page, which is at my site, stephanieghostin.com slash T-N-W-I-D. Along with the links, you will find the show notes, more episodes, all the resources mentioned, and more information on each guest. So this is my time to sign off, y'all. Again, I'm your host, Stephanie Ghostin-Paul, bringing you the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. And I am leaving you with your reminder that you are a living ancestor. Take care of yourself. Talk soon.